The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is going to be from Epictetus, but first, an anecdote, uh, something that happened to me this past May. I was minding my own business when I got a letter from the IRS saying that I owed them $800. Now, I don't know how other people react, but I got I freaked out a little bit uh, because I thought I had made some sort of grave error when filing my taxes. Uh, but thankfully, I was able to consult uh, people who could tell me what happened. And turns out that the IRS had overpaid me in my stimulus payments during the the COVID uh, during 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 the pandemic in 2021, and uh, they had overpaid me by $800, and now they were saying basically we made a mistake and we need you to give us the money back, and I did, and it was easy. <laughs> okay, now thankfully I was not in a financial position where I, you know, needed that $800 at that time. Um, but it was the ease of paying it back that reminded me of this teaching from the Stoics, which then led to the ideas that I will discuss on this podcast. So this is Epictetus' Enchiridion, the handbook, chapter 11. Uh, and brace yourself, because this is one of these examples where Epictetus gets very extreme very fast. He writes, Never say of anything, I have lost it, but rather I have given it back. Has your child died? It has been given back. Has your wife died? She has been given back. Has your land been taken from you? Well, that too has been given back. But the one who took it from me is a bad man. What concern is it of yours by whose hand the giver asks for its return? For the time that these things are given to you, take care of them as things that belong to another, just as travelers do an inn. So the idea is uh, is fairly easy to grasp. And in fact, let's just actually set aside for... Actually, no, we're not going to set this aside. Okay, let's just go over the idea. The idea is that uh, you don't really own the things that you feel like you own, right? Um, you could take that in several ways. You could say that ownership really is not a a physical or metaphysical reality. It's a legal reality. And the um, and it could be taken away from you. Something that you legally own could be taken away from you uh, like that, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, don't, don't talk about crypto. Okay. I mean, I know there's gonna be people who, who re- respond with that, but that's not my area. Um, but in, in, uh, in general, you know, things could be taken from you. Uh, you know, your assets could be seized. Uh, the, you know, the entire legal system on which the ownership is based could be, uh, could be uh, abolished and you no longer own the thing. Okay. But on a more, uh, stoic level, uh, the fact is that you think you own these things right now, but something could happen and you could functionally lose uh, ownership of the thing. So, you know, to quote an example from the Rambam, like you could have all of your uh, your wealth on a ship. Well, Rambam was really referring to a biographical incident where uh, his younger brother, David, uh, who was really uh, the Rambam's financial supporter, had all of his wealth and the Rambam's wealth on a ship and the ship sank uh, I don't know if it was attacked, but the ship sank and uh, the Ramam's brother died and, and the Ramam lost all of his wealth. Uh, and that could happen in an instant. There's no way you can stop that from happening. So that's, uh, I think, probably more likely what Epictetus meant when he said that it, it, was, uh, it was given back. And therefore, when you have these things in your possession, you shouldn't renounce ownership of them. Uh, I don't know if there are Stoics who did that, but certainly Epictetus and Seneca and Marcus Aurelius didn't live an ascetic lifestyle where they renounced ownership of all physical things. They took care of them, they used them, and just with recognition that you could lose this and don't take it for granted that this is going to be yours forever. Now, 
it might be easy to do that. Not necessarily easy, but it's easier to do that with physical possessions, much harder to do with, with people, right? Like the examples he gives, uh, where your child dies or your wife dies. So, uh, I was thinking to myself, oh, this is not something that is, uh, you know, that is really like uh, an ideal to strive for, uh, because it's, I mean, maybe intellectually it's an ideal to strive for, but, but I, I feel like a person could end up doing a lot of damage to themselves if they, they try to like implement this because um, it's not going to work for most people. And what I thought of was there is someone in our uh, tradition of learning who this happened to, and that's Eov. Uh, so, you know, there is a mach locus whether Eov was a real person. Uh, this, is, this is Job in the book of Job. Uh, whether uh, Eov was a real person or whether he is just a, uh, uh, whether the, the entire book is an allegory or a, um, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? A didactic story. Uh, but basically what happens is he was the wealthiest man uh, and he had uh, 10 children. He had uh, seven sons and three daughters uh, who presumably were adults. Uh, and one day, um, you know, you can read in chapter one of EO of what exactly happened to him. But basically in one day, all of his property got destroyed. All of his wealth got destroyed. You know, his uh, livestock was was taken uh some of it was taken by an army another of it was taken uh by bandits and then a uh some sort of meteor fell and like uh set his sheep on fire and then a tornado came out of the desert and uh struck the house where all 10 of his children were were you know feasting together and they all died in one shot so what was eov's reaction this is an eov one Chapter one, uh, uh, verses twenty through twenty-two. Vayakam Eov vayikar esme ilo vayagaz es rosho. Eov arose and tore his garment and uh, shaved his head. Vayipol artsa vayishtahu, and he fell to the earth and and bowed down to God. Vayomer, and he said, Arum yatasi mi beten imi, v'arum ashu shama. Naked I emerged from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. And returning there does not mean to his mother's womb; means to the uh, to the earth. And then he says the famous line. Um, Hashem nasan v'Hashem lakach Hashem Hashem mevorach. Hashem has given, Hashem has taken. May the name of Hashem be blessed. And then, lest you think that he was just saying this and that didn't really mean it, it says here, "Becholzos lochatel Eov." Despite all this, Eov did not sin. V'lonasan tifla lelukim, and he did not ascribe uh, impropriety to God. Uh, and the everyone learns that that was genuine because later on, when he is afflicted with boils. Then it says Lochata Eov Bisfasav, uh, that Eov did not sin against God with his lips. And then all the commentators say, but in his heart he sinned. So at this point, though, he was not sinning in his heart. Um, and what was his reasoning exactly? So uh, the the commentators say virtually the same thing. I liked the commentary of Rav Yosef Kara the best, so I'm going to read that. He says, Aram Yutasi mi beten imi aram ashuv shama, naked I emerge from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there to the earth. Kilo Omer, it's as if he said, Kol ma shenitel mi meni, lo mi shalihi fsaditi. Everything that was taken from me, it was not taken, uh, I didn't lose my own possessions. Velo mi shalihu mas ish, and it wasn't a, a, a a person of mine who was killed, uh, because when I emerged from my mother's womb, I did not bring with me into this world money and sons and daughters. God is the one who gave them. As uh, as David, as King David said, everything is from you. 
uh, that's in Divrei Hayamim one twenty nine fourteen. The Imhu Chazar and if if he went back and took them, if he went and took them back, Maani Bal Hisraim Al Midazo. How can I come and complain against this? Kishiratza Nisanam Ukshiratza Lakacham. When he wanted to, he gave them to me, and when he wanted to, he took them away. And then he brings an interesting proof that Yov uh, was saying this gen- uh, genuinely. He says, Vehoda. Um, so first of all, he says Yishem Hashem Mavorach. May the name of Shem be blessed, Shanasanam, uh, that he gave them. Okay. Then Vahodav Lishmo Al Shalakham. He gave thanks to God and bowed down to his name for taking them. Inyan Shinem or Lamala, as it says above, Vaipul Artsav Ishtahu. As it says in the puzzle, he fell to the earth and he bowed down. Hishtahava Zo Al Halakicha. Uh this bowing down was in thanks over the taking. Which means kibil hadin me'ahava. He accepted the judgment with love. Okay, and um, and so in other words, it wasn't just that he was uh, accepting this. This is not just the acceptance of reality. This is amor fati. This is love of fate, uh, and fully accepting that this is God's will. Uh, how he can do that, I don't really want to get into that now, partially because I don't know the answer. I just want to show that. Uh, what his reasoning was that he said, you know, these are things that God gave me. I enjoy them for the time that I had them. And then now uh, he's taken them back. Uh, and so I'm, I'm thanking God for the fact that I was able to use uh, and, and benefit from these things while I had them. A uh, quick detour to the Pasuk that he quoted from Divir Hayamim. So the full phrase at the end of the Pasuk is, because from you is everything. Everything is from you. And from your hand, we have, uh, we have given to you. So the again, a lot of the commentators say the same thing. I'm going to read from the Malbim. He says, uh, Everything is from you. Every, all of this wealth we received from you. And now, it is not ours. To the point where we could say that we gave it to you from our hands, from our possession. Rather, we're giving it to you from your hand. It is still in your possession. And in your dominion. And it is yours. To the point where when we give it to you, we're giving to you what you already have. And what is already in your hand. So, this is a Jewish idea. It's, I mean, it's expressed in the same way that Epictetus expresses it, which is that the things that we have are not ours. They were given to us by God and, and they can be taken away. And therefore we shouldn't operate under the delusion that they are ours or that we can retain them forever. And when they are taken away, we should be grateful for the time that we've been given uh, to enjoy them and thank God for, uh, you know, for, for that. And, uh, and accept the the reality that that this was never ours in the first place, such that we can say that we uh, that you know we've lost a possession. Now, going back to Epictetus and Eov, it's one thing to say this about eight hundred dollars that the IRS gave you and then took back, uh, or about a lost object. It's much much more difficult to say this about human beings uh, who die. And um, you know, I have met individuals who have uh, expressed sentiments like this about loved ones that they've lost. Uh, I have not asked them how they got to that point. I think that's uh, something that if you know someone like that and they are able to do this, then it'd be worthwhile if they're willing to have a discussion about it. But I can say one thing, which is that you're not going to get there instantaneously. The only way to get there is to start by practicing this on the small scale, you know, practicing it with the objects that you lose, practicing it with the the objects that you have that get ruined, uh, and practicing it with the money that you will inevitably lose at some point, uh, and build up from there 
the the more you strengthen that muscle, then the more uh, capable you will be of of having this mentality in place when the unthinkable happens. Um, and uh, and the only way I know of to get there is to practice. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneewes Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneewes, and my Zell and PayPal are MattSchneewes.gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. And by the way, uh, this is something that I exercise with the Patreon, which is that, you know, I obviously... You know, people's financial situations change, uh, and so do their listening, uh, you know, their content consumption habits. And I understand that if someone makes a pledge on Patreon, uh, that's not something that I view as my money that is owed to me. And people increase their pledges and decrease their pledges all the time or drop out entirely. So I've had, you know, whenever I notice that someone who was once a patron is no longer a patron, I'm able to practice this. Uh, that, you know, if I have that feeling of, oh, that was my money, no, it's not my money. Uh, this is something that was given to me by this person and given to that person by God. And this is really, you know, from Hashem that I am, uh, 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 you know, that I was able to use, utilize these funds. And so uh, that, that's a good, uh, a, another good uh, way that I practice this. Okay. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewazegmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.